0: in your bibles this morning james chapter number four james chapter four and we've been working our way through this passage of scripture i like uh it's always been my practice to be working and preaching through passage of scripture and one of the things i like about it is when you i can't i don't have to apologize for where we landed because i'm not like thinking who's going to be here and i'm going to pick a message so i can really get them i'm trying but that's never how it works but the lord puts the pieces together and I'm preaching through the book of James, and this is where we are. And I'm excited about sharing this message because it has a lot to do with life and what is your life and what really is living. And I want to share some things with you that I hope will be a help to you. James chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 13. James chapter 4 and verse 13. We'll take three verses this morning, 13, 14, and 15. The Bible says, go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And if you look with me in verse 14, the Bible says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And it has this question. For what is your life? What is your life? Uh, What is your life? What is living? What's it mean to be alive? What's it mean to live it up? And I think the Bible idea for living it up and some of the ideas that the world has, they run contrary. But I'll tell you something, if you'll determine... At whatever stage of life you're in at this moment, to choose God's way of living, you'll be glad you did. And you'll have the opportunity to truly live it up. Because God's plan for your life is rich and pure and right. And uh, you'll be thankful for every day you say yes to the Lord. What is your life? Let's look at this text. I want to explain it to you. And then we'll take our message uh, when we come to the book of James, James is actually writing to Christians. He's writing to a church, a group of people. And he's writing to save people, and he wants to help them with a number of things. And at this moment, he says, I want to talk to you about something. And he says in verse 13, go to now, ye that say. Now, all that literally means go to now. He's like, hey, listen, pay attention. Go to now, right now. I want you to come to this very moment, this very say. I want you to think about your life. Go to now, ye That say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong with going to a city. There's nothing wrong with buying and selling and getting gain. As a matter of fact, being productive is a very good thing. And I'd encourage you all to be productive. I'm from the old school. I think that we ought to work. And I think we ought to provide. I think we ought to be uh, honorable, respectable, productive citizens uh, of our communities. And there's nothing wrong with buying and selling, getting gain and doing it in a city. But there is something wrong with planning your life and leaving God out. And so the message here is, is if you're the kind of person who says, you know what, Tom- today or tomorrow or next year, I'm going to go to a city, I'm going to buy and sell and get gain, and you've got these great plans but you've left God out, the Bible says you've got a little bit of a problem here. The Bible says, verse 14. If that's your plan, you're planning your life without God. He says, verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. He says, you're looking ahead, way ahead, but you don't know what tomorrow holds. How many of you have ever had a tomorrow that turned out to be very different than what you thought it was going to be? You wake up today and you think, oh man, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but your ch- plans changed tomorrow. <laughs> Let me tell you, as frail as our plans are, our lives are just as frail. Uh, everything changes. Uh, something that uh, Peter Ventrescu and I have, have uh, conversated about in the last couple of weeks. He called me the other day and he said, he said, what is it that makes God laugh? And I knew the answer. He said, what is it that that makes God laugh? And I said, it's our plans, Peter. He said, exactly right. He said, you know, i got a plan for this hospital stay, but (laughs) it isn't God's. And it's true. You know, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what next year holds. But I'll tell you something. It is wonderful to know that you can know the God who does know what tomorrow holds. And so the Bible says, remember something. He says, now look, if you make your plans and you leave God out, you're leaving out the most important variable to living life. It is the God who created life. He says, you don't know what is on tomorrow. Verse 14, it continues. He says this, for what is your life? That's our question. It says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. How many of you are like me and you... Uh, glory in a cup of coffee first thing in the morning and all God's people said hallelujah yeah. I love a cup of coffee it makes me happy uh, Ruth doesn't drink coffee if she tries to every now and then but she fills it up with so much creamer and stuff that uh, it's not really coffee anymore and she normally doesn't drink all of that but I love coffee I like black strong coffee and I want uh, several cups every day if I have my way any rate, I got a quick thing about coffee. I'll leave you and go up to my office where the Keurig is. But, uh, you know, on your coffee cup, I like that in the morning. You see, you see the steam come up off of it. Isn't it sweet? Uh, it's a it's a good thing. But the thing about the steam that comes off the top of your coffee, it just doesn't last very long. It's a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. Rarely does coffee have a chance to get cold in my hand, but. The vapor doesn't last long, and the heat doesn't last long. And the Bible just says, I want you to get this picture. The vapor appears for a moment and vanishes away. Our lives are fleeting. Now look, the days are flying by. I can't imagine that I'm where I am, but I'm here. Some of you are thinking, I can't imagine I'm already a junior or a senior in high school. But you are. And time flies, whether you're having fun or not. Time flies. And our lives, the Bible wants us to know something about our lives. Our lives are are, are brief. It's like a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You've only got one chance. You've got a short while, but you've got a great opportunity. And it continues in verse number 15. For that, because life is so short, for that, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we should be interested in the Lord's will the Lord Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I like that little phrase, the Lord will. Uh, It's something that happens in Christian circles, but it seems to be a little more prominent in southern Christian circles. How many of you have it in your vocabulary to say, well, Lord willing, we'll be there tomorrow? How many of you have that in your... That's good. Let me tell you where you get that. You get that from James chapter number 4 and verse number 15. And it's a really good practice. You know, we shouldn't presume upon the Lord. And you don't have to say the Lord's willing every time you get ready to do something or make a plan. But it is important that we include God in all of our plans. And so the next time you hear somebody say, Lord willing, you just thank God that that person cares enough about the plans of their lives and the will of God that they're willing to include Him in what they have to say. So the Lord willing. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So it leads us to our question, what is life? What is your life? Is your life a life that is lived with God's will in mind and God's purpose and consideration? Is your life a life that's lived seeking Jesus Christ? If it's not, you're not living it up. You're not living the life that God has designed. And you're leaving so much of God's blessing behind. What is your life? Let's consider this number one. Life is not about experiences or material possessions. I know it's a long point, but that's the longest one of the day. Life is not about experiences or material possessions. Now, I'll have you know something. That is exactly opposite of what the world teaches. The world teaches, if you can experience this and this and this and this, if you can have a, this type of prestige and this type of honor, if you can win that or do this or do that, then you will be living it up. But i have you know something. You can talk to lots of people who've had lots of amazing experiences that we would find enviable, and they will let you know that the experiences of life do not fulfill the yearning of their souls. You see... Living it up and life is not about experiences. it reminds me of a man in the Bible. If you'll keep your finger in James chapter number 4 and go with me to Luke. Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. It's a famous story. It's the story of the prodigal son. Now if you can go with me just a moment and see the home of the prodigal son. We see a father and a mother. We imagine a mother. We don't have a record of the mother. We have a father and a mother, and we have two sons. We have two sons that are uh, beginning to uh, blossom into manhood. You can imagine that they're up in in high school age and maybe early college age, and the two sons are going to get an inheritance. So far in the two sons' life, uh, the one son is pretty compliant to dad, and the other son he just he's always been kind of itching. He's always been trying to kind of itch to do his own thing. He's got, dad's an old fogey that doesn't know what it is to have fun and live life. And so you've got the prodigal son. The prodigal son says, you know what? If daddy would go ahead and cough up my inheritance and I had a little bit of money in my pocket, I could go down into the world and I could have a good time and really live it up. And so he says, dad, divide up the inheritance It's time you pay up, old man. Don't have that spirit. That's not good. It's time you pay up. And here's what the Bible says in verse number 11 of chapter 15. This is that story. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, what did this guy do? He said, if I could get away from dad and get away from the rules, if I could get away from God, then I can live. I can live it up. And the Bible says he took what he had and he wasted what he had with riotous living. And we see what happens. You see, when we take life in our own hands and leave God out, we make for ourselves a very troubled future. Here's what happens. When he had spent all, verse 14, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He was hungry. And he went and joined himself to the cities of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with them. He says, Here I am in the hog pen, feeding swine and eating the leftovers that the pigs don't eat. And here my dad is. My father has everything that I could need. He said, This is foolish. Who's living now? Not the prodigal son. Verse number 18, he says, I will arise and go to my father. Well, that's a smart thing. You know what he said? I'm going back home. It's a really smart thing when we decide we're going back to God. I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be married. What did the father say? The prodigal came home. The prodigal said, I'll be one of your servants. <laughs> he said, no, boy, no way, man. You're my boy. He saw him. He, he forgave him. He welcomed him. And he said, let's kill the fight of cat. We're going to have a party. And I want you to see what the father said. Remember, we're talking about life and living. Here's what the father said in verse 24. He says, we're going to have a party. For this, my son was dead. Now, what did he say? The whole time, the boy was away living it up. Guess what? The father said he was dead. He was dead. He was dead in his trespasses. He was dead in his sin. He was dead going down a path of destruction. He was dead. For this, my son was dead and is now alive again. <laughs> when did the prodigal son begin to live? He began to live when he... Submitted himself to God. You see, life is not about experiences. Also, life is about not about material possessions. People have this idea, if I can get this, it'll make me happy. If you've ever fallen into that trap and you've actually got this, you have found out that ultimately it did not make you happy. What happens? It makes you want something else. It's like people who buy toys. I understand. I like toys. You know what happens? You always want a Jeep. How many of you would like to have a Jeep? I'd like, I like Jeeps. They're great. But you know what happens? If you have this notion, oh, if I could just get a Jeep. You know what happens? You get a Jeep. As soon as you get a Jeep, you drive it around a little bit, realize how expensive gas is, and you go sit somewhere and you get on the computer and you find something else you can buy for your Jeep. And the next thing you know, you got new tires and new wheels and you got lights and you got ducks. I don't know what the ducks are for, but there's ducks and... Uh, Now listen, don't get me wrong, I love Jeeps, it's good to have a Jeep, but let me tell you something. If you think Jeeps make you happy, or Jeeps are life, or, I mean, good if you think Tesla's life, or you think Ram 2500 is life, or if you think, I mean, if you think houses is life, if you think anything that you can possess is life, man, you missed the mark, because that will not make you happy. Because you'll get the thing that you think will make you happy, and then you'll yearn for something else. Thats how it works. You see, life is not about experiences or material possessions. The rich fool, the rich fool. And Luke chapter number 12 gives us some insight into that. This man, the Bible says, Jesus speaking of him. he says, the ground, it's in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. The Bible says, "The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. That's great. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now this this guy, hey look, he didn't do anything wrong. It was fine. He had a bumper crop, but he left God out of his plans. He left God out of his plans. And he forgot something that is very important that all of us are facing. Life has a conclusion. And he said, oh boy, I'm going to tear down my barns and build greater. And I'm going to have so much that the rest of my life I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry and take my ease. And God reminds me, hey, look, man, you forgot about something. You are temporary. Now look, nobody loves to talk about it. Some weird people like to talk about it, but most people don't like to talk about it. Guess what? You're going to die. We're all going to die. And the reality of death is something that overshadows all the potential joys that material things bring. And I want you to know something. There's nothing wrong with material possessions, but we must put God in our lives because without God our lives are vain. You see, life is not about experiences or material possessions. Number two, life is short. Life is short. I mention this often, but it's just real. It's something I think about all the time. Uh, let's get to take a poll. Everybody that's eighteen years old or younger in the room. Uh, if Help me, don't be shy. If you're 18 years old or younger, would you raise your hand? Let me see who you are. All right, now put your hands down. Let me ask you a question. If you're 18 years old or younger and you've had an older person tell you, time flies. If you've had an older person say, boy, it just gets, goes by faster and faster. If you've ever had somebody tell you something similar to that and you're 18 years old or younger, would you please raise your hand? Uh, good, good. Uh, Most of you. Guess what? They're telling you the truth. Now, time flies. Uh, Life is short. Now, here's what the Bible says. He wants to remind us of something. That life is short. Your life is but a vapor, right? It appears for a little time and vanishes away. Life is short. We've got to be careful with how we use the days of our lives. Life is short. One thing we need to think about is life is short and eternity is long. The old song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, talking about heaven. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Huh. What's that telling me? That means life is short, eternity is long, and it's true. Look, we need to live life in light of eternity because the life we live now will be reflected in eternity, and it's important we pay attention Life is short, eternity's long. Also, life is short. We shouldn't waste our days. There's a psalm that I like very much, Psalm 90, verse number 12. The Bible says, "Teach us to number our days. Have you ever numbered your days? Have you ever numbered your days? The days of your life are like dollar bills that you keep spending. Now, the Bible has a, a talks about the average lifespan of people being about 70 years old. If you live 70 years, you know how many days that is? 25,550 days. So if we just get a round number, we get about 25,550 days. Now, I'm aiming for more than 70. I want to live a long time. That'll be great with me, but it's in the Lord's hand. That's fine. But let's just say, for instance, I got 70 years. That means I've got 25,550 days to use. Now, this week, I'll be 41. I'm not just plugging my birthday. Uh, though I will be 41 this week on, the, on Thursday the 16th. I'm, I'm not telling you just because I want you to know when my birthday. I'm just kidding. I'll be 41. Now, 41 is like 14,960 some days. All right? So when I'm 41 and a month old, I'll be celebrating a very big, My big milestone. I'll be celebrating my 15,000th day. Now that's good. But when you compare it to 70 years is 25,550, that means I've spent 15,000 and I got 10,550 to go. Hmm. You see, our days are valuable. And life is short. See, the Bible makes it plain that life is short. Eternity is long. And Man, we need to really make sure that the days we live are invested for something that matters. If you have this philosophy that says, you know, I'll do better later. You'll never do better later. If you have this idea that I'm going to live it up now and when I get... In college, I'll straighten up. I'm going to live it up now. When I get married, I'll straighten up. I'm going to live it up now. When I retire, I'll straighten up. Let me tell you something. That's never going to happen. And you're going to waste the days of your life. And life is short. Look, live it for God. Live for His glory. You see, life is short. Something that we need to know is life is short and death is certain. I'm going to say a word. There's another word that goes with it. You, You say it for me. Life and... That's right. Life and death. It's true. Let me tell you something. You can reject Jesus, but you cannot reject death. Death overshadows all earthly joys. If you do not have the hope of eternity, you remember something. Life is short. Number one, life is not about experiences or material possessions. Number two, life is short. Number three, life is to know and do The will of God. Here's what we say. Because we know that life is short, in our text, back to the book of James, chapter 4, because we know that life is short, the Bible says, for this reason, we say, if the Lord will. Life is to know and do the will of God. When was the last time you included God in your plans? When's the last time you asked God to lead you? When's the last time you asked God to direct you? Listen, it may seem elementary and obvious, but every day of our life we should live in light of the fact that God created me and God loves me and God has a plan for me and I should do what God has designed me to do. We should start asking the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Because I'll tell you something, as well-meaning as the counselors are, as well-meaning as your parents are, God knows better than us. And God's will is right, and God's will make you happy. You see, life is to know and do the will of God. Lord willing, knowing Jesus is life. What did Jesus say? I'm going to stop at a certain spot, and you, t- you say the word that I leave out. You'll know it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the... Life. Whose life? Jesus' is life. I'm going to stop you. you're going to know the word. And you say it for me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's right. How about this one? Jesus says, I've come that they might have life. Look, knowing Jesus is life. By the way, you can never have eternal life unless you've come to the place where you've repented of your sin and acknowledged your personal need of Jesus who paid for your sin on the cross of Calvary. You can never have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you could have everlasting life. And you need to get saved. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to the Lord You need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you can be saved. You need to be saved. The only way you can have eternal life is to be saved. Jesus is life. Life is not stuff, death overshadows its joys. Life is not length of days. Oh, man, I can really live it up. I have a long life. Well, talk to Jesus about it. He only lived like 33 years. No, life is Jesus. We should build our days and our lives around God. It reminds me what the Apostle Paul said. He said, for me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You see, you really can't... Live and live it up unless you have dealt appropriately with the fact that you're going to die. I mean, just think about it. Just think about how how depressing life is without Jesus. What do we do? We get an education. Why do you get an education? I get an education because I got to get a job. Why do you get a job? Because I got to eat and I want a TV. Somewhere to live. Well, why do you need to eat? Well, because, and why do you need a TV and a place to live? Because you need food, clothing, and shelter in order that you can have the strength and health to go to work and get a job, and you know, and make the money to buy the house and the TV, you know? So here's life. It's so awesome. We go to work so we can have enough money to provide the things we need to have the health and strength so we can go to work. And you repeat this over and over again until finally you die. Isn't that encouraging? There's a little more to it, but I'll just tell you, if you leave Jesus and eternity out of it, here's what we've got to look forward to. Living life with troubles and burdens and sorrows and then dying one day. And that's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. He said, hey, as long as I put Jesus first in my life, the living is sweet. Because death doesn't overshadow the joys of living. Because I know that when I die, I've been forgiven of my sin. And heaven is my home. And Jesus is my Savior. And eternity is going to be great. And so I can live as long as I have Christ. He says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Let me tell you something, if you say for me to live is basketball, I love basketball. But for me to live is basketball, <laughs> that's fine, but I'll just tell you, when you're 41, you're not going to want to play as much basketball as you did when you're 18. I can testify to that. And you can't play basketball in the grave. See, for me to live is Christ and basketball sweet, hallelujah, and to die is gain when Jesus is first. For me to live is money and to die is loss. For me to live is houses and lands, but to die is loss. For me to live is material things and experiences, but to die is loss. And Paul said, hey, guess what? When I'm living for Jesus, I get the joys and the blessings of living for Jesus. (laughs) And also... There's no bitter end. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You see, what's life? (laughs) It's short. But I'll tell you something. It's sweet. When you put Jesus first. That's why the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Look, don't get the order wrong. Don't get the order wrong. Don't get the pleasures and the experiences and the lusts of life before Jesus. And you put Jesus first, and he's going to give you the life that you so yearn for and don't know how to get. You see, life is Jesus. What is your life though? Are you caught up with the trap that says if I can have this experience and these things or these people then that's living. Mm. You'll find it empty for me to live for those things is loss. But if you've put Jesus in your life hmm, you'll find out it's sweet. You can enjoy the days of your life resting in the fact that your eternity is sealed in Christ. You can enjoy the days of your life knowing that the actions of your life are not sinful and wicked. And the product of your living is righteous and good. Hmm. See, the Bible says it like this. What is your life? Is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanisheth away. What is your life? Oh, I pray it has Jesus in it. Let me tell you the most important message you'll ever hear. How can I know for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says you need to know and acknowledge that you're a sinner. You see, the Bible says this about us. For all of sinning, I'm sure the glory of God. And if I were to ask any of you, have you ever sinned? <laughs> we're all going to be like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever stolen something? you ever told a lie? Did you ever take the Lord's name in vain? And the list could go on and on. Have, are you, have you ever sinned? Yes. Well, the Bible says because you've sinned, you're a sinner. And the Bible says that there's a penalty to be paid because of your sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. I'm not just talking dead now, but death eternally, separated from God in a place called hell. It's true. We're all sinners. Our sin has to be paid for. There's two ways, that, according to the Bible, that you pay for your sin. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death and hell forever. Or the Bible says that God commendeth His, he showed his love toward us. He commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You ever wonder why? What's the big deal with the cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection? Well, I'll tell you. A sinless sacrifice had to be made in order for you to have your sin debt paid. And Jesus paid it. He showed his love toward us. He was sinless. He died on the cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. He paid the price for your sins. That's great. So does everybody get the forgiveness of sin? Everybody can. But the Bible says that there's something... That's required. It's not a work. It's a faith. So the Bible says this. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, the Scripture says that if you're going to be saved, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There has to come a moment where you ask Jesus to come into your heart and save your soul. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible also says it like this. With the heart, man believes. I've been there. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And the Bible says, with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. What do you have to do? You've got to repent. You've got to turn to the Lord. You've got to personally pray and receive Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior. What happens when you do? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call the name the Lord shall be saved. You have the promise of everlasting life. You have Jesus in your heart. You have hope for all eternity. Oh, it's so important. You know, what is your life? What is life? <laughs> Not what the world tells you. Life is Jesus. And if you'll put Jesus first, let me tell you something. Life is sweet. If you put Jesus first, life is hopeful. If you put Jesus first, guess what? Life is even full of wonderful experiences and God's faithful provision. Life. I pray you put Jesus first in your life. If you will, you'll never regret it. Let's pray.